Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 331. Sean, what are you doing? What what music is that? It's Billy Joel. I I, I hear that. What's Why? the correlation between the episode and this song? I go to extremes. Duh. That's I don't think that's what that means. That's that's yeah, not, not the same, the same word. Thing. Yeah, no, it was in the title. No, extremes. No, 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 no. Extremists. Extremes. No extremists. No extremes. No, it's extreme. I think it's extremists. Well, sure. If you're like Latin, and you know, with the Pope and everything, they every that you heard the guy in the episode. You must come, Doctor. We've got the extremes. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it's not what that means. It's funny accents. That's not what that means. It's totally what that means. Is that not what that means? That's not what that means. It's not I'm that Keith. word. That's that's really not that word. It's not that word. It's not that oh. word. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Apparently confused. <laughs> Apparently. I'm in need that of a thesaurus. That word does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> I need I a thesaurus. Think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, a thesaurus is that book you use to yeah. look up the definition of words. <laughs> Wait, I thought a thesaurus was a type of dinosaur. <laughs> no, dinosaurs are extinct. <laughs> but not thesauruses. <laughs> but not thesauruses. They still roam the countryside. What, what about the thesaurus rex? Those you can find occasionally. Oh, okay. They're pretty rare. It's kind of like the Postosaurus Rex. That's what you call a dog that knows other words for other words. <laughs> Thosaurus Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the courtesy laugh, though. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. <laughs> I don't like to. I made it up. <laughs> uh, I started a business. <laughs> I'm tired. Did you guys have a good week? Yeah. Well, all right. <laughs> Playing, for being tired. playing some Lego Dimensions, got my parents' 50th anniversary together, and then out of the way today. I say out of the way, out of the like, way. Oh, it's out of the way. <laughs> oh, it's, it's over with, it's done. Thank goodness. They have a good time? They did. They had a really good time. Did you have a good time? Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of work, but it was yeah, it was fun. We saw a lot of people. A lot of people we hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, but it's, I'm glad to be over, because it was a lot of work, a lot of stress. And now you're the parent of a high schooler. How's that feel? Not yet. Uh, I will be... Essentially. She graduated 8th grade, didn't she? Not yet. She graduates on Thursday. Oh, uh, I thought she already did. No, Thursday. Oh, okay. Thursday morning, 8 a.m. <laughs> I've never understood why they do that in the morning. Which is good for me, because I work evenings, and we're still in the middle of sweeps. But And I did some Lego Dimensions this week, which is a lot of fun. I'm spending a lot of money on packs <laughs> that I probably shouldn't be, but... You're welcome. <laughs> I told Mel, I was like, well... Keith and Sarah beat us on the Harry Potter book. Glenn beat us on Lego Dimensions. <sighs> <laughs> what she said? Yeah, I'd like to play some. So, yeah, me too. And then we got back to work. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing a lot of home improvement stuff. This week was all uh, flicks with friends stuff. Ooh. Yay. <laughs> you don't sound super excited. I, I Are you just tired? I'm tired. I am super excited. I'm excited to get back into it and get it rolling again and move forward. Instead of the trail of tears that led me to this moment. <laughs> <laughs> There's been some tech issues, but 
no, it'll be good. I think it, I think it's going to be exciting and a, a new, fresh coat of paint, if, as it will, on things. So it's just been a lot of work to get to this point. So. Yeah. I watched a couple movies. What'd you watch? I watched Spotlight. That's the drumming one, right? No. No. That's oh, that's watched. the newspaper one. That's the newspaper one. Right. Same people are in that, though, right? <laughs> no. Producers? No. Director? Both nominated the same year, I think. <laughs> Keep reaching, Sean. Actually, I don't even think that was right. I think <laughs> Whiplash was the year before that. was the year before yeah, that. It was okay. I don't know if it was Best Picture Worthy, which it won. I've been watching or listening to so much West Wing, re-listening to it and listening to the West Wing Weekly, that part of me thought how amazing would Spotlight would have been if Aaron Sorkin had written it. Because it's it's very dialogue heavy. It's a lot of, we're going to look into this and investigate this, and not a lot of, here's what happened. It's a lot of people relaying the stories of what had happened. So, in a way, it's kind of anticlimactic of a film. And it's, it's a very important film for what the story they did, told and... The story that obviously in the newspaper told, but it was just kind of, it was just kind of there for me. It was just kind of anticlimactic, and hmm. it just didn't have the drama that I kind of thought. I think Spotlight was missing some of that. Arrival, however, the other movie I watched <laughs> was so good. Was it great? Oh man, it's been so long since it feels like it's been so long since I've watched a highly intelligent sci-fi film, and this is that in spades. There were some things I saw coming and kind of predicted and kind of figured out in advance of it, but I didn't mind that either. It was just so well done. It's very, all, very, all very the way well around. Done. You haven't I, watched that one yet, have you? Not yet. I really want to read the shorts or the novella that it's based on now because the movie was just phenomenal. I like the way it was shot, too. Yeah. Shot Dennis very well. Villain, whatever his name is. Yeah. Who hasn't really done too much. I mean, Scarrow and. One other thing, I think, before this. Passengers. Or not passengers, uh, prisoners. Prisoners, yeah. Which I haven't seen. So. I haven't either. And but, I haven't seen Scarrow either. So. But, but now he's doing Blade Runner. Yeah. And after that, Dune. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> I started watching one of the bonus features. And it was like, I've been wanting to do sci-fi forever. And so I guess now he's fully <laughs> off the deep end into the sci-fi pool. <laughs> Just keep writing the checks. Okay. <laughs> if they're all as good as Arrival, I'm all right with it. I, well, I think some of it is the direction. A large portion of it is the story because the story is just so compelling. It's fresh, but it's not. I mean, because it's it's an alien invasion story, but it takes a fresh approach to it that most don't have. And then the acting in it also was just incredible. Amy Adams definitely deserved the Oscar nomination that she got for that movie. We watched Space Between Us. How was that? It's actually pretty good. I mean, it's if you've seen the trailer, have you seen the trailer? Mm -hmm. Um what you see is what you get. This is, you know, that story. It reminded me a lot of Daryl, the 80s film with the little boy who's a robot. Mm -hmm. The government's chasing him down. and reminded me a lot of that. But it's it's a very sweet, uh, just, it's really good. There's no big surprises or anything. It's got, you know, kind of a love story. But, yeah, definitely worth watching. All that to the list. I was on the fence about that one. No, I liked it. I liked it. I finished watching uh, Are You Being Served? All nine seasons. Oh, wow. Woohoo! Such a funny show. I remember watching it at Grandma's. Yeah, that's where I started watching it. And I'm surprised that I got to watch it at Grandma's house because there's, it's, it's a little very risque. adult. <laughs> <laughs> there, Especially there, for the time. There, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of PBS viewing that, that we saw at Grandma's that maybe we wouldn't have normally seen. I remember Grandpa watched a lot of Benny Hill. And so there was a lot of PBS viewing that maybe we shouldn't have been. Well, I tell you, there's a, a, so much innuendo and double entendre and it's like wow 
And they don't shy away from letting you know that they just dropped a double entendre because, you know, they'll make a reactive <laughs> face to it. It's We finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ooh, me too. So did we. I quite enjoyed the finale. It's the yeah. strongest that character I don't like has ever been this season. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be non-spoiler. I, I do want to, of course, I think you guys agreed that we would, but I do want to say, ha-ha, I should have told you so, he's coming back. Yeah. I knew it. I knew they would bring that character back. Oh, they had to. And how they used him was just perfect. That surprised me. Especially that was a bit of a twist. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anybody that maybe hasn't caught back up, but that's that was an interesting twist. I saw that uh And then the end end was a very interesting twist. Yeah, too. I, I kinda look I look forward to seeing what's gonna happen next season. Did you see that it's gonna come back in January? Oh, I did with not. no break. So it's just gonna be back uh-huh. to back so all the way through. Well let's move on to news. What's in the news? Well, Michelle Gomez recently talked to Digital Spy saying she is no longer going to be on the show. <gasps> what? She's leaving the show after the season. Aww. My, she said, quote, My guys, my lads, Missy's men, they're all moving on. Stephen writes so amazing for me. Amazingly for me. It's like he's got my voice in his head and I don't know how that would be moving forward. I'm probably just shooting myself in the foot here. This time next year, I'll be like, why did I say that? I'll work for anybody. <laughs> but I don't know how I feel about being the master to any other doctor because I feel like I'm part of, part of Peter's time. So, I mean, it's it's obviously a never-say-never never type thing, but at this point, it looks like she's going the wayside with Moffat and Capaldi. Yeah. Anybody surprised? Not really. Not really. I don't think I could be... I don't think I could say I was surprised either. Maybe a tad saddened. I've really enjoyed her as her take on the master as Missy, but yeah. the whole show has to evolve and move on. So it just seems fitting that with a new doctor would come a new master too. Well, I mean, the only time we ha- we haven't had that sort of situation is with Anthony Ainsley. Yeah, yeah, he would have been the only master that crossed multiple. Over. Yeah, <laughs> three of them at that. Yeah, certainly true. Technically four. Technically four. Was, he was in Four's last story, wasn't he? he I was, don't know. Yeah. Was he? I was trying to think <laughs> what who the other three were. Oh well, five, six, and seven. Five, six, and seven. Okay. I for some reason I <laughs> for some reason I had thought well he no he wasn't there was no master during the seventh <laughs> Doctor's era but yeah there was the yeah, very end the very last one <laughs> you know when he was a cat yeah <laughs> a cheetah yeah once a cheetah always a cheetah <laughs> um yeah she'll be missed but yeah. We'll move on, and everything, maybe it'll all feel fresh and new again. There's no reason to complain about that. There's a part of me, too, that wouldn't mind giving the Master a break. I was, that was something I was going to not, say. Not to, not, not to any detriment of, of Michelle Gomez, but just in general. Cool. Well, okay, go away now. <laughs> well, especially considering the, the direction they've kind of gone with her this lately, as she's more of a friend than an enemy, it'd be kind of nice to have her kind of go away and then come back as actually like a foe at this point. But yeah. it's not like she was the thrust of the villainy. I don't know. In a way, I almost think the the master's arc a gradual. It's it's a blurring of the lines. Yeah, because at some point, as the master, I would think you have to come to the rationale that you can't kill him, <laughs> or you're never going to beat him, or you're never going to be able to. <laughs> you can keep trying, but you know. And then wherever robot Shaka master fits in, now I'd be all down for that. <laughs> <laughs> they brought the master back as a companion for a full season. I'd be all down for that. But 
in other news, the BBC is poised to shutter that's download-only store after a year and a half it, they opened it. All because it has failed to hit commercial targets under pressure from U.S. streaming rivals. Anybody surprised? <laughs> no, not really. Not really. And I never utilized it anyway, so... Yeah, I don't think I ever <laughs> utilized it either. You can still stream episodes on Amazon uh, Amazon.com. Amazon Prime if you're a Prime new member. New episodes, yeah. New episodes. Well, new series new episodes. New series, yeah. And BritBox has the classic series streaming. Mm-hmm. Which is also US-based. And you can still purchase and download from Amazon, I believe, for some of the classic and I- at least iTunes. iTunes, yeah. For purchase, so... It's not like the download option is going away. It's just not going to be through the BBC store. Yeah. For me, it feels like it's one of those things where everyone's trying to get a piece of the pie. Yes. And they're just realizing, oh, there's not enough pie to go around. Yeah, yeah that's a that's an excellent way to say it. Because I think ultimately what BBC felt they could do was they could cut out the middleman and they could get, you know, more money from dream yeah. down, downloading or a, a direct download themselves. But I think what they realize is they're such a small fish in an ocean of content providers. And so they realized that to maintain the store was probably costing more than it would to say, here, just have them distribute it for us and yeah. we'll take that money. So I, I applaud them for attempting that since, I mean, they, they have their own ownership over it. And I think had it worked for them or if they had figured out the model... I think that would have been more money in the BBC coffers in order to create more, you know, content for people. But ultimately, you're when you start when you're a startup that late, you get in the the business that late. You're just oh, you're yeah. competing with the big guys. So Unless the guys that already know how to do it, they've yeah. already you know run the course. Unless you're a huge company it. like Disney, who kind of got into the streaming service a little later than others, and then even have been able to compete because they. Play nice with others. You can That's have your Disney movies on Voodoo or Google or wherever you yeah. want it. That's just it. Even Disney, as big as Disney is, with the library that Disney has, even they didn't last too long as a solo entity before they they said, okay, we're going to merge and allow you to watch the Disney titles on Voodoo or, or whatever yeah. it is. Because they just... That's... That's the reality of, of this kind of service is that it's... People want all under one roof. And they don't want to necessarily go to an a la carte subscriber service where I have to pay for this, this, and this in order to watch the shows I want. I want to pay for this and have it available. So between Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, I kind of think the majority of the the streaming options are, that's it. (laughs) What else we got in the news? In other news, the Tenth Doctor and Rose are back together at Big Finish for Volume 2 of the Tenth Doctor Adventures. And not only will Billy Piper be back, Camille Cordry will reprise her role as Jackie in one of the stories now, also. This is Volume 2 of the Tenth Doctor Adventures. Volume 1 was Catherine Tate. I say Donna was in Volume 1. So this is the first time that Billy Piper's done any yes. big finish work. Yes, this is her first return to Rose since, what, Journey's... Or End of it? Time. Yep. No. End of Time. End of Time? End of Time. She was in End of Time? At the very end, you know, where oh, she was. You're gonna have a great yeah, year. The, good, the, good the extended goodbye yeah, to her. Yeah. Goodbye. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, they've before got before any listeners go. Well, she was in the 50th. She wasn't Rose in the 50th. No, she wasn't. I'm excited. I listened to the first volume with the Doctor and Donna, and I quite enjoyed those. So. And if they're half as good as those, they're gonna be really good stories. Yeah. Other people coming back to Doctor Who in ways. 
Russell T. Davis has illustrated a collection of Time Lord verse called Now We Are 600, written by James Goss. So it looks like it's going to be kind of a cartoony, almost Winnie the Pooh-esque story vibe to them, but about Doctor Who. And RTD illustrated them all. So that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And our last bit of news... I didn't know he was an artist. Neither did I. He's a multi-talented man. He is a multi I don't think they're full art... I think they're more doodles. Doodles, yeah. But still, I mean... But still, being able to do... Some the doodle, the Dalek on the cover is a gorgeous Dalek for I'll, a doodle. Although I think... Don't, doesn't some of the writer's tale have some of his doodle work in it, now that I think about it? I do not know. I'll have to take a look. I think I've got that at home still. He's a very talented doodler. <laughs> <laughs> he can doodle better than I can. I'll give him that. <laughs> he can doodle his way around my doodles. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, our last bit of news comes from our good friends over at Candy Jar. They have announced the second free short story for Lethridge Stewart of 2017, The Runaway Bomb, written by Nick Walters. And it comes out with Night of the Intelligence this month. So there's a synopsis online you can go check out, and hopefully you pre-ordered Night of the Intelligence, so you make sure you get the short story too. What I'm excited. I'm kind of, I kind of miss the Lethridge Stewart verse at the moment. We haven't been doing anything with new series focus, but kind of looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah. We've got lots of feedback, so let's jump into that. Feedback, feedback. we got lots of feedback. Our first bit of feedback comes from Lisa. Lisa writes, Subject, Series 10. Hello, fellow travelers. Hope this feedback finds everyone enjoying the new series of Doctor Who as much as I am enjoying the new series. Bill and the current version of the Doctor. 12 is so much more relaxed than just being the Doctor. I love it. With the destruction of the sonic screwdriver in the latest episode of Doctor Who, there's no denying that Stephen Moffat is a sentimental old nostalgic troll who, in his final act, like a magician, is letting the audience in on how he understands the Doctor, the TARDIS, and how much he loves this program. All of it. He's exposing his personal headcanon, replaying his favorite scenes and dialogue in loving homage to a show that has shaped his life. Are you hiding in a police box with a sign on the door that says pull to enter? It says advise and assistance available immediately on the door. You don't call the helpline because you are the helpline. Everyone should go back and listen to the lecture the doctor is giving at the start of the pilot. He's describing a theory in physics that says all of time has happened at the same moment and it is an illusion that time is passing. I believe at the end of the series, Moffat's run as showrunner and Peter Capaldi's final story, we will get a time crash done right multi-doctor extravaganza. Look what we have already had with Caves of Adrazani level sacrifice. Though this time out as showrunner Moffat has fixed, or done better an idea, concept, or story from Doctor Who's past, this series is full of them. The adult who is a child from Bells of St. John was done better in Knock Knock. Happiness Patrol in Smile. Thin Ice is a redo of elements of Beasts Below, etc. He's even done the crowded TARDIS in a way that works. Anyone else noticing the way the various episodes have been filmed, lit, or even the music? In Smile, it's almost overly lit with lots of synth music like the 1980s all over again. I did not catch any wobbly set moments. (laughs) Knock Knock looked like it might have been filmed in SD or simulated SD. The colors and the warm lighting and the pilot looked oh so RTD. Whatever Moffat and company are up to, it's going to be grand. I would not put it past the man to do a callback to his first Doctor Who, The Curse of Fatal Death. 
hey, he's made shot a cannon. <laughs> I'm very much enjoying the David Bowie references, the Prince shirt on Bill, like Ghost Town by the Specials back in Series 8, my music, my wasted youth, my fuzzy memories of a time when Doctor Who was on PBS, and only my sister and I loved this British treat while we were getting ready to go out and kick up our feet. Like the fifth Doctor and Kinda, Twelve learns a bit of sleight of hand, only to use it later in the episode. I love that the Doctor is all about having stolen the TARDIS, and he had no idea how it worked, that you negotiate with it, and she usually wins. <laughs> Does this revisiting of how he and the TARDIS come together foreshadow something? Who knows? All the more reason to keep watching. The humor in this series has been a welcome relief for me. When the Doctor talks about Pete, the Forgotten Companion, he seems to be so enjoying putting Bill on. It's just wonderful. Being down with the kids? Marvelous. Does anyone else get an educating Rita vibe? Speaking of shout-outs, Moffat again is lovingly calling out the programs, movies, and stories that have impacted his life. Space, the final frontier. This is Journey's End done right, as far as I'm concerned. Sleep is for tortoises. I will let this pass. And all the rest are lines for line from earlier Who. The shot of Bill stepping on the ice, Harry with his leg trapped in the stairs, is framed just like Harry and the giant <laughs> clam. There's a reason for this, not just lazy writing. I can't be the only one noticing the names of the cast often have been the same or close to those of past companions. Paul for Polly, Dot is Dorothy from which Dodo comes. We've had a Harry and a Harriet. Twelve even went to Australia. Where was Tegan? Under the spell of the Mara, no doubt. <laughs> With all the calling back, at first I thought it's the Merca in the vault. <laughs> Only Moffat can fix that. Oh, please. Oh, please. I amazing. changed my mind. I know what I want in the vault now. The Merca would have just busted down that piano. door. Are you kidding? <laughs> now with the doctor talking to and bringing dinner to his guest, I have moved on to Omega, Rassilon, the Valyard, or Missy. In the pilot, Bill, who is marvelous, says the doctor has been lecturing 50 or 70 years. The doctor's reaction to this is priceless. In Knock Knock, the boy has been caring for his mom for 70 years. Do the woodlice aliens have anything to do with, quote, the thing that happened, end quote, for which the doctor and Nardle, chameleon done right, have been guarding the vault ever since? See, somebody else thought that Nardle was chameleon done yeah. right. I said that early on. What did the doctor mean when he said to Bill, time, when she asked what changed his mind? Can't wait to find out. And finally, a shout out to the production crew. From the lighting to costumes to the amazing camera work, this has to be one of the best productions on television. Everyone is doing the best work. Entropy. When things finally come together, they start to fall apart. Just a few of my thoughts on Series 10 so far. Wishing everyone well, especially Keith and his wife, as they expect their first human child. Take care, everyone. Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Good to hear from you again. Absolutely. I read that earlier in the week, and I thought, did they have an alien child? And then it occurred to me she was referring to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the Cody. Forgotten postscript. P.S. The Quickies. The Stopping, where we started the next episode. Classic Who callback. Marvelous. The Vault is probably bigger on the inside. <laughs> I can't be the only person hoping for an epic River vs. Missy showdown before Moffat walks off the stage. Bill said she was too scared to go with Heather. Maybe next time she won't be, so she won't be scared. Bill had a tear, maybe not hers, under her left eye. Heather had the star in her left eye. Maybe Bill will be the girl with the star in her eye in the end. Hmm. 
Loving how 12 is using Snap to operate and is being his velvety best mod father. See Paul Weller of The Jam. Moffat. Racism isn't just wrong. It's stupid. Capitalism at its worst wants your most productive years, then it will dispose of you. And as always, authority by and for the rich and powerful is not to be respected. The Tories are in charge in the UK, the Repubs in the US, capitalism is running amok, and all life has a price on it. Moffat has no problem saying they are wrong. This is also Fifth Doctor. Crowded TARDIS, lost the Sonic, he's been making mistakes or been wrong about what is happening, he's running away from responsibility, putting the companions at great risk, he's been self-sacrificing and is now more vulnerable than ever. The final episode of the series is The Doctor Falls. The Doctor is a fallen man. The library planet and the science in the library was created by a nam named Felman Lux. As one of the Mythbusters recently said on Twitter, every book is a TARDIS. Capaldi, Mackie, and Lucas are knocking it out of the park with the underplaying at this series. The impersonations are wonderful, and Bill is totally awesome. The camera work has got to be some of the best on television. Same with the direction. Laters. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Up next is Holly. Holly writes, Hey guys, looks like my Gmail acted wonky again and my email got lost in the vortex. So my first thoughts on Oxygen and then Extremis. Oxygen. Wow, what an episode. This one had me on the edge of my seat. Loved the little nod to Star Trek in the beginning with Space the Final Frontier. I have to admit, it was nice having Nardole tag along for this episode and get a little more backstory about him. I wonder if we're going to find out what Nardole's original face was like or if he was just making that up to get back into the conversation. The group hug near the end was a nice touch, but then Nardole had to go too far and say something about a cuddle. I have to admit that the doctor losing his sight and then not getting it back was something I didn't see coming. <laughs> Neither did he. <laughs> Neither did he. <laughs> Extremis. Extremes. An interesting episode to say the least. The doctor having to help the Pope and the question as to who was in the vault is finally answered. Missy. Though I'm still a little confused as to the group of executioners and their operating procedure. Is the Doctor the one being executed and Missy is his stand-in for the vault, or vice versa? I ran that scene back a few times and I still can't decide for sure. And the way they were dressed and the staffs a few of them were holding almost looked like Gallifreyan in design. Could this be some separate sect of Gallifreyans or a nearby relation? The end with the head executioner looking up the Doctor on his wrist computer and getting quite a bit shocked and afraid at what was coming up. Kind of reminded me of when the Dalek looked up River Song in the Pandorica two-parter. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to your review of this episode, Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thanks, Holly. I think we'll touch on some of that in a little bit. I think we will. Up next is Chrissy. Chrissy writes, The Virtue in Virtual Reality. Dear Vortex Boys, I'm happy to say that after being disappointed by Doctor Who for the past few weeks, the show is back to form. At least it is as far as I'm concerned, and it feels wonderful. Extremis. Okay. It was just a fun episode. Which is almost strange to say, since it starts out with a flashback to Missy's execution, and the main plot involves people committing suicide after reading a creepy book that has everyone from the Vatican to the Pentagon to CERN freaked out. But while the episode deals with those potentially heavy topics, like many Moffat-penned episodes, not everything is as it seems. And that's where the fun of it lies. 
The best part about this episode is that with all the terrible things that happen throughout the story aren't even real. The people who read Veritas never really kill themselves. The priest didn't actually shoot himself. The CERN people didn't really blow themselves up. It was all a simulation. Although I have one funny story. As we were watching the episode, Jared wondered why the dynamite under the tables at CERN looked exactly like the comic book cartoony Wile E. Coyote bright red sticks of dynamite. It wasn't enough to take him out of the episode, but he did comment on it. Finding out that this whole thing was a glorified video game actually made that little detail work. And it makes me want to go back and watch the episode again and see if there are any other little touches like that in the virtual setting. You know, Chrissy, it wasn't until I read your email uh, earlier that it dawned on me, like, I caught that and I noticed it. And there was a little piece of my brain that went, why would they have dynamite at the Large Hadron Collider? <laughs> I mean, this is a particle accelerator. What do you use for that? And then I thought, oh, maybe they used it to dig out a tunnel when they were building it. It's just still there. Okay. And I let it go, and I didn't even think about that connection. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, They don't even use sticks of dynamite to build Sure they, they do. No, I've seen I, TV. They don't use to, Yeah. <laughs> All of those old westerns when they were blowing holes in mountains to get yeah. trains through. We haven't done <laughs> that in over a hundred years, but not with sticks of dynamite. We still blow holes in lots of <laughs> in things. things, but not with sticks of dynamite. I was trying to rationalize it. Yeah. Maybe that was yeah. a clue. Maybe it wasn't that, that it was it was supposed to be so absurd. I think that, that, that that's they what, got it wrong in the in the in the, in yeah, the matrix. Yeah. That, well, I mean, if there have been if they've been observing Earth, I kind of thought maybe they watched Bugs a Bunny lot of cartoons TV. Were, <laughs> <laughs> were, were part of that. Well, the little portals almost looked like Wiley e. Coyote ones. Mm-hmm. They did. She continues. I loved how this whole episode was the Doctor sitting in front of the vault, receiving an email through his sonic sunglasses. I know people got irritated by those last season, but now that the Doctor's blind, they actually have a reasonable use in the story. I'd be curious to know if that was the plan the whole time, or if Moffat thought to bring them back this season as part of this plot line with the Doctor's blindness. Either way, it works just fine. Also, it makes the villain's plan kind of backfire in a way, since he's trying to figure out the best way to conquer the world through his constant simulations. But now the Doctor has access to at least one of those simulations, thanks to his own virtual counterpart. It's definitely a Moffat trademark twist, but it's also something we haven't seen from him before. It's like he's doing an alternate universe story, but not in the way we expect something like that to play out. It's the same, yet different enough to be interesting. I love the references to River Song and her role as someone who kicks the Doctor out of his despairing funks when he loses too much hope. Even though she wasn't there, it's like she sent Nardle as her representative to give the Doctor a kick in the backside when he needed and he definitely needed it in this episode. <laughs> Nothing against Bill at all, but she hasn't been around the Doctor quite as long enough to figure out how to give him a verbal smackdown, as well as an uplifting pep talk when he's having trouble focusing on the task at hand. River could do it. Amy Pond could do it. Clara had her way of doing it by the end of her run. And Missy even got her two cents in on the topic. I'm sure Bill will get there eventually. But the Doctor needed somebody who knew him best and who knows how to motivate him. And that's not to say Bill didn't have her moments in this episode. The scene where she chews the doctor out for bringing the Pope to her house while she was on a date was so great. On the other end of the spectrum, the scene where she watched Virtual Nardle disappear and how she wasn't sure how to tell the doctor about it was fantastic. Same with her realization that she was part of a simulation. True, that wasn't the real Bill, but it seemed to work with her character in the real world as well. 
All these little moments add up in her favor. And yes, we were all right when we guessed that Missy was in the vault. Although what her role in this Missy's story arc is going to be, not yet sure. Missy's not in the vault. You who've been championing it from day one? <laughs> no, I have never said Missy was in the vault. The master is in the vault, but it's not Missy. Eh, we'll see. It's yet to be determined. I have never said I did say when you brought up the piano point about there was a clip of her laying across the piano. I did say, well, maybe there's a chance that the master and Missy are in the vault. Yeah. But I, from day one, have said the master is in the vault. Glenn thinks John Sim is in the vault. That's who's in the <laughs> vault. Yeah. We'll find out. So, yeah, I should say John Sim's master because Missy is the master, but <laughs> it's not in that form. Yes. Maybe they're all in the vault. Maybe there'll be a crusty guy with ping pong ball eyes well, in the vault over in the, the corner. That's what would that be would be amazing. cool. Moffitt, Moffitt, and I think this even came out since. Maybe not. But I remember an interview or something in Doctor Who magazine where Moffat said, you will be genuinely surprised. You won't believe your eyes when you find out what's in the vault. He says that. And I can't remember if that was written in Doctor Who magazine before the reveal that John Sim was coming back as the master or not. But So I still have some hope that we're going to be surprised even though we all think we've figured it out. I think Stephen Moffat, Moffat is too smart to lay enough breadcrumbs for us to because that's what make the, them that the, obvious the, well, breadcrumbs. no the the breadcrumbs have led to missy that's why everybody is now on the bandwagon it's 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 missy in the vault it's missy in the vault and they think that moffat has laid enough breadcrumbs now to, so we we have figured that out i think moffat is more clever than that i think whatever is in there and i could be completely wrong it's not even john sims master that's in the vault but whatever's in that vault still may surprise us but I really don't think it's Missy. And I, I, I only agreed that maybe it's both at one point. Just so, based on your speculation. So, several years ago, I would have agreed with you. But after us figuring out that who River is, after us figuring out Missy was the master. Which, what do you mean, early us? On. Quit taking credit <laughs> from my... <laughs> after you figured that out. Podcast in general. Oh, or, right. and, yeah. and who Missy really was pretty early on i heard so much speculation that one up being right and there's just been several instances where it seems like he's trying to play a long game and trick us all and we catch on to it before he re reveals and it's not a surprise to them so i we'll wait and see obviously and how much of that is he's not writing as clever as maybe he thinks he is versus how much of that is just really we obsessive fandom now yeah well, not just that, but I think that the BBC has this real problem of keeping their claptrap shut, and that's ultimately, I think, what's ruined a lot of things. Yeah, but if it winds up being John Sim, it would have been a big surprise if they didn't announce it. Right, or even show us a clip in the... <laughs> yeah, she continues. Though what her role in this story arc is going to be, not sure yet. We'll find out soon enough, maybe next week, with the shadow enemy zombie guy coming back. I didn't catch what the villain was called. I'm sure there was a name, but I just missed it. For one more week at least, I feel like Doctor Who is back on track. I hope this means the season's going to go up from here. It could still go down again, but I remain cautiously optimistic. I haven't decided yet if Extremis, Extremis is better than the pilot. They're both great for different reasons, and I'm having a hard time ranking one above the other. But that is a problem I'm happy to have. That's all I've got for this week. Talk to you all soon. Chrissy. On a footnote, did we know that Davros was going to be in the first episode of last season? No. Nope. Did we know that that boy was going to be Davros from nope. the beginning? 
Nope. I think well, Moffat but we successfully did that one. <laughs> yeah. He does it really well when it's the premiere episode. <laughs> it's when it's throughout the season yeah. and we have time to think about this thing. It's when <laughs> all the all the instances I'm bringing up are the ones that's of true. Long, long, the long game. Yeah. But yeah, you were right. Yeah. The yeah, Davros exactly. surprise he was. You're yeah. right. Well, you and I knew about an hour before he knew. Yes. We did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even uh, Clara, her first appearance was a huge surprise. So the season premiere, he can wow us. No, that wasn't even season premiere, but that was a mid-season. No, premiere. I'm talking Asylum of the Daleks. Oh, Asylum was at the beginning of the season. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So he can do it. It's just how he does it. Yeah. Is yeah. That's true. <sighs> when he drops us hints and teases, it's never a surprise like he thinks it's going to be. So far, <laughs> when it's out of left field, then yes, it's I a surprise. I disagree with the. I'm not making myself out to be a big thing, but I think that I don't think a lot. I don't think hardly anybody saw that the river, river thing coming. Everyone I, I think saw I the just, Missy thing I think coming. I just put two money loose ends together and made a really good educated guess. In fact, I remember saying it, thinking, "Oh, that's probably so out there, it's not going to work," but it did. <laughs> I also remember you saying that you hoped you weren't right. I did. I did say I hope I was right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. Yeah. Up next is Odd Duck Phil. He writes, It's Nardole's world. We just live in it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, who peekins? Go read American Gods. Seriously, you all seem to like Gaiman's work, and this is him at the top of his game. It's bizarre and not an easy read at times, but I highly recommend it. That being said, I actually like Anassi Boys Better. Definitely an easier read, and I'm a sucker for Anasi stories. Like the Doctor, he gets out of most scrapes by being clever. And like the Doctor, he also tends to get into a lot of scrapes because he's clever. Well, enough off-topic. Non-who nonsense. On to... One. Poking the bear with a grumpy stick. (laughs) Or, uh, sorry. Poking the grumpy bear with a stick. So a couple weeks back, I breached the subject of the Doctor hauling off and hitting someone for saying something insulting being out of character. And Glenn strongly argued that it's no different than the doctor knowing how to play guitar. Fair enough. Let me see if I can phrase my question in a slightly less inflammatory way. What is the core of the doctor that transcends regenerations? I assume anyone watching the show is okay with the new actor slash wardrobe. And each actor is allowed to put their own stamp on the role, adding new quirks and even bringing back old ones. I assume that most who listen to this podcast are okay with gender swap or a different ethnicity. But is there something at the core of the Doctor that cannot change? I initially thought that violence, with the exception of self-defense, would be one. But I'm admittedly a novice of old Who, where there's Venusian Aikido and ray guns aplenty. So I'll ask you guys... Is there something at the core of the character that you cannot change, or if you changed it with a regeneration, it would change or even break the character and show? I think by rephrasing that question, I think Phil makes a very good point. I think ultimately you're right that the the core base of the character can't change, but I can't think of how to answer that question because there has been so many... I, th- I think that the thing I still come back to, and you brought up the laser guns thing, is Peter Davison's doctor seemed to be less of the pacifist and more of the aggressor. Many times he's going into battle for the sake of the people he's helping to defend, which I think is the way that I would apply that to the doctor striking, what was his name? The racist punch. Yeah, the racist punch, I think is 
I think that again is a, a defense mechanism in defense of Bill. And it, not, this time it's not her life that's threatened, but it's her integrity that's being threatened. But I concur with what you're saying about the core elements of the Doctor, and I can't I can't come up with something that's changed that I felt well. That's just an evolution of the character. There is certainly co- certain core values of the Doctor that I think we do adhere to and, and, and should be upheld. But I have no example of anything that, that I could counter with that. So, I, I like I say, I see his point, And it is counter to how I was defending it last week. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness to the Fifth Doctor, we play and joke a little bit about the guns and... You know that he's always running around with guns in his season, and I I don't know that that's necessarily true, or maybe it's just that because it felt so out of place in the longer view of the Doctor that any time he did pick up a weapon, we kind of went, oh, you know, it seemed like he was a little bit quicker to do it, but I, I don't know that that was necessarily a, a change in the in the character at that point. Yeah, and let's not forget that I mean, Tom Baker built a DMAT gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, here here would be a good example of what you're looking for, Phil. I think self-sacrifice. And he shows it again. I mean, somebody brought up, uh, uh, I think it was Lisa brought up the, the Caves of Androzani moment, the yeah. self-sacrifice. So he, the doctor once sacrificed himself to save Perry. And this was another situation that we got in Oxygen where the doctor was ready and willing to sacrifice himself for Bill. I think there has been evidence of that. David Tennant Wilf in the past and so there are that would be one of those core things that i think uh, would be inherent to the doctor if the doctor ever ran off and abandoned a a companion in order to save himself then i would be in your shoes yeah you know aggravated and mad that that's not the that's not something the doctor would do and so i can see it (laughs) i can see it from that point of view but well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that was five again. <laughs> well, I can see, I can see it from that argument. Although I don't know, I think William Hartnell a lot of times might have tried to run off. <laughs> Ian if and he, Barbara, if he could have done it, he would have. Yeah. I don't know, Keith. What do you think? Well, that, that was one thing I was going to say was, although William Hartnell, the first Doctor, kind of counters my argument, is the not wanting to help out when he sees a situation going south. The first Doctor would, before Ian and Barbara, might not have helped out or tried to run away anyway. So, I mean, there's some of that. I also, though, think an argument can be made for the first Doctor that a lot of the situations that the first Doctor found himself in, I don't think there was as much of a grave threat to a greater society. I think that the first Doctor could often recognize that even if I wasn't here, things would play out a certain way. He certainly drives that point home in the Aztecs. You can't change one, you know, element of time. You can't, you just can't do it. And so I think that certainly there could be an argument made for the the first doctor was ready to get people out of a situation he saw that was naturally organically going to go south anyway. But then I think even Which through the first doctor, comes doctors, across as him trying to save his own skin. But but in reality, it's, it's more of a get out of the way and let the and the com- ele- let and this protecting happen. his companions. Yeah. Let let the let the events unfold how they should unfold, and there's a lot of those situations. But I think even the first Doctor, towards the end of his run with the the, the war machines and taking down, uh, or yeah, the war machines. Taking oh yeah, down Voton. Yeah. 
even the sensorites sticking around to well, and even help the the people on the on the space station. I mean, he does show those valiant efforts as well. So well, you yeah, can't even and really even like early on with the keys of Marinus, he wants to help this guy, even though the, the guy kind of forces their hand and makes them right, do it. But right. he's still willing and doesn't fight him too much about not helping. So those elements are even still there yeah. with the first Doctor. It's just you may have to really look to find them. But <laughs> For me, when you boil down the character, it's 12 speech in the cemetery during Death in Heaven, Darkwater, whichever one that is, where he's an idiot with a screwdriver wandering around trying to fix things. You change that aspect of it, it's not the Doctor. Yeah. Because even the War Doctor is trying to fix the Time War. Right. Even though he's fighting and going about it the way a doc, the Doctor normally wouldn't. He's still trying to fix things. So that's the one thing I think that if you change that aspect of it, it's not the same show. Yeah. I can even chalk up some of the First Doctor adventures to just that. I mean, it's easy to say, well, they hadn't quite figured out who the character was. Well, well that that you, is you certainly can, true. From, from, from an outside. From a Doyleist perspective. Yeah. perspective yeah. On it oh, yeah. And, I can really, excuse yeah. all of it away <laughs> but, but, from a Doyleist perspective. But from within the show from within the confines of the doctor as a person the years that he's got on him as you know the first doctor assuming that he has not been kicking around the universe all that long in his stolen tardis he hasn't he's, quite he hasn't figured teenager. it out yet he doesn't know what his his role is in all of this he's a gallifreyan teenager he's learning yeah basically what he's doing and how to do it i mean um with the with the one exception that and I, I wish I could remember because I meant to bring it up the, the week that they did it there was a line in one of the the, the series uh, episodes where Nardle talks about the fluid link yeah oh yeah and I removed it and it's integral to the thing it goes yeah I don't need it I lied <laughs> and they take off and it's like well that was, that was oxygen yeah. that was oxygen I said that and I told Mel I was like that pretty much just confirms the whole. We don't need the mercury and the fluid link to go anywhere. I just want to go explore the Dalek city and put everybody in danger <laughs> in the Hartnell episode. Yeah. So I was like, Shh, write that down because that's a <laughs> that's a prime example of him putting people in danger that they didn't need to be. But well, you could, now that you say that, I think you could point to the Doctor's natural curiosity as well yeah. as one of those inherent things. But right, that and, and, and that, that falls back on the sure. he hasn't figured it out himself yet, so I can write that off too. So. It's difficult in a way over, especially with the way New Who has been romanticized up to this point where we have all these wonderful ads and memes where they talk about they didn't give him a gun, they gave him a screwdriver, and he doesn't have a spaceship, he's got a police box, and they didn't give him, you know, he's got two hearts to care more. And we, we've built up this, yeah, that's it. And that's all relatively new with oh, yeah. the, the values of... 50 years of, of hindsight behind us to be able to look at things in that way. So it's it's difficult to say even. The question you're asking me, Phil, is kind of the same question as how do I describe Doctor Who to somebody who's never watched it before? I don't know that I can. You just kind of have to experience it and go. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Oh, he has oh, more. He's got more. Oh, <laughs> that's right. We, we, we that broke, was one. We, we broke in the middle. <laughs> we had to poke the grumpy bear with a stick. Yep. Two. Oxygen, or thank God for Chrissy, I thought I was all alone. <laughs> so I'm maybe 10 or 15 minutes into the episode, and I think to myself, please, oh please, don't be a clunky, ham-fisted swipe at capitalism and corporations. <laughs> and then pen 10 minutes later, I paused the video so I could slam my head on the desk over and over and over again, shouting, stupid, stupid, stupid! I actually had to turn it off, take a break, and start the episode all over again. And yeah, what Chrissy said. 
though props to Matt Lucas, loved Nardole's dressing down of the Doctor at the end. 3. Extremis. Better, I think. I probably shouldn't have, but I laughed out loud when the Pope came out of Bill's room. <laughs> and again, Nardole had some great scenes. Not sure I can really rate this one until I see the next one. I don't know, this whole season seems to be an interesting concepts executed in ways that feel empty or hollow. I sat down and watched Turn Left, and it's amazing how different I feel watching previous seasons to now. Feel being the key word. I feel for the characters and what's going on. This season, not so much yet. Odd Duckville. P.S. Doctor Who. It says something when someone's a fan for 10 plus years and they're still considered casual. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. I'm not sure which one of us called Don Duckville a casual fan, but I don't think it was me. <laughs> I, I may have been. I may have done that. I think the only person that's been watching as much who is on Duck Phil that I would still consider a casual fan would be my wife because even I think even Caitlin's more of a fan fan, more of a fan girl. Holly just watches it because she just enjoys the episodes, but she doesn't get as engrossed in it as I or Caitlin even does. She hasn't been watching for ten years because she didn't get on until season four when I, I didn't make her watch it. But I, said, I took, set, set her down and said, "Watch this and tell me what you think." And she just kept wanting to go. So. <laughs> Our last bit of feedback comes from Rachel. Rachel writes, "Red pill, blue pill." Hello, vortex. One pill, gang. two pill. I keep meaning to send. Doctor Who's. Doctor Who's. I keep meaning to send in feedback, but alas. Life seems to keep getting in the way. Shakes her fist at life. We're all doing it. I'm going to add Moffat. <laughs> First, let's talk about this week's episode. Extremis. <laughs> we'll get you there by the end of the episode. This doesn't John. look right. This is my Logopolis. It is. I can't say it. Great. For the next 300 episodes, Glenn's going to be <laughs> sitting over there going, You mean Extremis? <laughs> wow. It's not often that Doctor Who actually keeps me guessing. Not to toot my own horn, but I've watched enough sci-fi to recognize where a lot of storylines are going. But this time, I was racking my brain trying to figure out what Moffat was doing story-wise. So now we know Missy's the one in the vault. At this point, most people had guessed that it was her, and I like how the answer was introduced not as this big revelation, but more along the lines of, yeah, it's her in the vault, but that's not the point. <laughs> Why was she being sentenced to death, besides the obvious history the Master Slash Missy has with being a general menace to the entire universe and time? Why did the Doctor spare her? Sure, River essentially ordered him not to, but since when has the Doctor listened to everything River has said? The fact that the Doctor seems to have come into this situation not long after his date at Derillium concluded might have something to do with it. Who are these people who are apparently judge and jury and can sentence people with death? Why did Missy even agree to being put into the vault? She was obviously fine after being killed. My guess, Missy's got a long-term plan. Mm -hmm. The mystery of the episode itself was handled brilliantly. The idea of being stuck in a simulation isn't new, but this was different. No one was actually stuck in a simulation. All they were was a simulation, and people weren't killing themselves to get out of the simulation. They were killing themselves because they found out they simply weren't real. That's pretty dark. I was even beginning to wonder how much of the season was real, or happened in the simulation. It appears it's just this episode. 
I'm not sure how I would have felt if everything up to this point had been inside the Matrix. It really, it's really odd, weird, coincidental that several of my shows have just <laughs> gone down this rabbit hole of a plot this year, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being the most obvious with the whole framework arc that just finished up. And I just realized I watched The Matrix as I had other things going on in the background <laughs> that were totally not planned. Wow. Just put you in the mood for it. Apparently. apparently. Considering the state of the world, one might consider if the writers aren't hoping that they're living in a simulation or an alternate reality. Art and media has always been able to reflect on current times. I won't say more in fear of stirring up any political discourse. <laughs> now I want to say a few things about the season as a whole. I personally have been really enjoying this season so far. I think Peter and Pearl's chemistry is refreshing. Bill as a companion is also a nice change of pace. I really hope Pearl sticks on beyond this season. As for the season itself, has the season been perfect? No, not by any means. But has any season of Doctor Who been completely perfect all the way through? No, not in my opinion. I wonder if the perceived divide within the fandom is somewhat a symptom of Doctor Who being off the air for so long. We've been so starved for New Who that once we finally got it, some of us were just excited to have Doctor Who back. Fans have allowed their excitement to color the perception of the show. And then another percentage of fans had themselves hyped up for Who to come back, and once it finally returned, the season isn't living up to the hype they had in their heads. Just some thoughts that came into my head since listening to last week's podcast. I don't know, maybe I should stop playing armchair TV psychiatrist. <laughs> I know that personally I'm enjoying what I'm watching, and to me that's all that matters in my book. Well, I think I've prattled on enough. Later, Rachel. I think Rachel has a good point that the buildup of who in their heads to the season after a year without it perhaps has colored some people's perceptions of it not living up to their expectations. It could be. I, I, think, that's, that. I think that's a very good point. No, Phil, we're not saying that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that's a possibility. It is, it is a possibility with some people. That's all we're saying. Not saying names. <laughs> And then uh, one last note, Time Lord Ben, he wasn't able to get his feedback in this week, but he did message us, and I wanted to read it because we're going to supplement your feedback with this because there's a little bit of information in here. You probably included feedback, but hey, guys, I sent a couple of tweets your way but have subsequently <laughs> deleted them. I've manually added the Life of Evans to Goodreads, so people may want to know that if they're looking for it. You have to search it by title or author. There is no ISBN to use. I'm sure you know that, though. The ISBN is what the barcode is on most books when they sell them, but because that one is not a title that is sold by mass market, it's straight from Candy Jar. There's no ISBN on the gotcha. so don't search it for that. The other thing is, hello all, I just wanted you to know that I have not been able to get feedback done. My older son went to Minnesota with Grandma for the weekend. My younger son was disappointed that he didn't get to go, so my wife and I took him to Iowa City last night. We stayed overnight and enjoyed the city, mostly the mall, today. I have a rough outline for feedback, but that's it. I still need to watch Extremis as well. I got it. I hope to get that watched and submit some solid feedback soon. I didn't want you to think I was intimidated after my comment on Facebook. I really didn't mean for it to be all that. Anyhow, take care. Can't wait to listen. P.S. I'm nearly done with Thrawn, and I think I will read the bio of Verity Lambert next. Stay tuned for feedback. So I wanted people to let people know that Time Lord Ben is, is still out there, even though he did not send in feedback this week. That is why. I hope he doesn't mind that I read that out. Again, he'll probably include that in all of his feedback now. <laughs> I probably just shot his outline. He's like, okay, I don't have to cover that. Uh, I don't have to cover that. Yeah, streamline it. It's always nice to hear from Ben. Yes, so. absolutely. 
It's nice to hear from all of our feedbackers. Yeah, it is. It really is. But a lot this week. Yes, that, we did. This was, that was refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to our review of Extremis. In the Herecticum, the Vatican's secret library of blasphemy, there is an ancient book known only as the Veritas. Throughout history, anyone who has ever read it has immediately taken their own life. Now, a new translation is online, and the danger is spreading. The Vatican appeals to the doctor. Will he read the Veritas? But can even the doctor survive the ultimate truth? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? You don't, I don't know. know? you don't know if he can if survive the ultimate truth? Oh, yeah, I gotta wait till next week. <laughs> I don't know how to rate this one. Like, I liked it. I liked the concepts of it. I liked... Uh, there was a the lot... Ride, the ride is phenomenal. The ride is phenomenal. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I feel like, as with most of these darn two-parters that they spring on me last minute that I didn't know was a two-parter, shush, <laughs> I don't know if I can review it without knowing where the it's going. The story. You know? Yeah. As a setup, yeah, it's great. <laughs> And it goes to extremes, <laughs> like the song says. I was kind of like Rachel, and it kept me guessing most of the way through the episode. Yeah. Because even once they revealed that Nardal and Bill were these digital creations, I was racking my brain, How okay, so how far back have they been? Have they been the entire time? What's going on? And it's not until they... and. Is this our doctor? Is it not our doctor? I mean, all these different questions until they actually revealed what's that, the, the resolution of it, did it all kind of click into place. So when, just as, as far as a guessing game of a story, it was phenomenal. When it tied back in to the open, which I didn't realize was the yeah. open, with the doctor sitting there and he's still blind, it was like, okay, well, that was obviously a real-world event because mm-hmm. he's outside the mate, the the... the concert what are we calling this he's outside the simulation, simulation. at this point mm-hmm. um so that was a real world event so apparently it's only been this week it's not something like yeah it's only yeah it's and not, it's like not even all only of, this episode it's not yeah. even all yeah. of this episode because yeah. all the missy stuff actually happened and the stuff of him right. sitting there actually happened and the conversation right. with bill after the fact actually happened yep. it's just pretty much everything from the title sequence onward almost i did do a um I did get a moment of frustration at that point when they started to reveal that, that this was all a simulation. I did get a, oh no, this is half this is half of a Bobby Ewing has stepped out of the shower because the whole season was a dream <laughs> issue for me. And I was I was getting a little frustrated at that point and was very grateful that we cut back to uh, Peter Capaldi sitting in front of the vault after getting the email. So... Uh, Had it been more than the episode, I would have been very, very frustrated. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started getting to that moment and flashing back to Dallas. But, um, yeah, it. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. With this only being the first part of a multiple story arc, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think this is another thing that I, I, I've tried to do this season because there's been episodes that I wanted to go back and rewatch to get more out of it. But I felt like this season I kind of wanted to do the one watch. This happens most of the time. But do one watch and review. Because I think sometimes you really have to give your first impressions on mm-hmm. one single go through. Because I think a writer needs to be able and a producer and everything. Everybody needs to be able to convey enough in a story on one setting for me to talk about what I liked and didn't like about the show. 
Um, but this is one of those ones that I did recognize that if I go back and rewatch it, I may have a varied opinion on it. Uh, I may either dislike it because I find things to pick apart, or I might like it better because this is one of those episodes that, first of all, it's setting something up, so I don't know how to feel about it. But number two, Moffat tends to do this occasionally, where he will get so far in the weeds with trying to build a mystery that you almost start to wonder is this really working is this really plausible is this real are you taking shortcuts in order to make a mind-bending story and there are pieces of it that don't quite work and it's almost those episodes that i feel like i don't know that i want to watch that again because i don't (laughs) want to go in there and say well you know this didn't quite work or you didn't really connect the dots here well enough but you, you had know, enough smoke and mirrors going on that I, I bought into it and was fine with it. You don't want to pull up some of those threads. Exactly. I don't want to peel back Hell all bend. those layers. But on the surface, it was an it was a enjoyable roller coaster ride of ups and downs. And I somebody said building the mystery or trying to figure out what was going on, it was less for me an issue of this mystery of twists and turns and more of a there was a lot of confusing moments for me where i was quite confused what was going on and i think that there are points where the the story advances and i get a satisfactory answer to what i was confused about but it's almost not satisfactory enough and that's why Mm. i think a second viewing would help Mm. as well to go back and say okay now i see why you were doing this or why you were going this direction but there wasn't enough of a nugget answering that confused element that i you know can draw a better conclusion on so i'm kind of middle of the road on this episode now as far as whether i liked it or didn't like it i think i liked it i liked that there was an effort for lots of twists and turns that's what it is i wouldn't even say it was twists and turns it was more confusion and it's almost like a good chunk of the episode there's not a lot going on Mm -mm. there's a lot of exhibition well, the Pope coming out of the bedroom, the date. The, <laughs> it's a lot of show. Yeah, yeah. It, there's a, a lot of show. And I think that goes to Moffat's smoke and mirrors writing t- technique, which sometimes can work because and you it's can the tell element when of surprise that when he's, he's trying he's to get When he's doing a multi-episode story, he tends to do that a lot more. I mean, look at how much of the witches or the magician's apprentice was just smoke and mirrors to get him to that point. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff with the Vikings and the tank and all of that stuff was just smokes and mirrors to get us to the thrust of the main story. Yes. It feels like, aside from the stuff with Missy, this entire story was all smoke and mirrors. Yes, very true. I'm kind of on the fence on it because half of the story doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of the story, it didn't matter what happened in it because it wasn't real. It gave him a heads up of what to expect and kind of was us an introduction to this uh, new villain, but that's about it. I mean, the stakes didn't matter. The char- Any character growth or any character loss didn't matter because it reset to zero at the very end, literally, because it never actually happened. <laughs> the best part of this episode, what was done well and was done extremely well, was the Missy execution. Yes. That story that's going on, when we start the story with, you know, a thousand years ago or a long time ago. I mean, yeah, I it was just a, a long thousand, time ago. Yeah, uh, or maybe I thought it said thousands of years ago or something that like could that. Be. Anyway, there you know, we've got this monologue happening where the uh, people, whoever these people are, kind of explaining things, and we're led to believe that the doctor is being put on trial. Or is being He's put in, be is executed. being set to execution. And 
it, I really kind of thought, okay, where are we going with this? What has he done? How is he going to get out of this? That's my my thought process. Yeah. And it's no sooner that we come back and we find out, you know, and even to the point where they bring Miss, Missy out, and you think she's the one that has to pull the trigger, trigger for him. And then we turn around and find out, no, it's Missy that's being executed, and he is the trigger man. And I thought, wow, that was a very you you completely suckered me in to one thing, and then twisted it there at the end, or not the end, but there at that that point, and turned the shoes. And I thought, wow, okay, that was cool. And then even up to the point, and this was funny because when the guy with the cowl over his head comes up, it ends up being Nardle. But when he comes up and he start <laughs> beckoning the doctor over. And my son says, uh-oh, I know who it is. It's River. <laughs> and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not River unless she's in a really good size. But then I, there's something in me that kept thinking, maybe, maybe that'll be a nice little surprise. So when Mar- when Nardle does the reveal, veal, I thought, oh, okay, well, of course it's Nardle. But then he goes in to address something that, <laughs> as a proxy for River <laughs> that, yeah. you know, he does. And I thought... I looked at Mason and I said, you know what? You were almost right right there. <laughs> and said, yeah, it was probably pretty close. Well, what's so great about that is we've all wondered how and why Nardle is with the Doctor up, up, up to this point, And we got a satisfactory answer without doing some ridiculous backstory type thing. It's yep. just a, oh, okay. That That's makes why he's there. That makes a lot of sense. And it goes towards the more me liking Nardle more. I did like Nardle more in this episode and then he evaporated (laughs) (laughs) i love that speech he gave bill and i wasn't quite sure how to feel about that that not all evaporated yeah that he was smart enough to figure this out and if you go beyond the projector then all of a sudden he started to digitize and went oh (laughs) and was gone i was like oh now i'm conflicted (laughs) 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 i should be happy but i'm not damn it (laughs) the, the, the missy stuff i didn't i i at the very first beginning, I kind of thought, oh, the Doctor's on trial. And then I started thinking about it, and I thought, no, it's got to be the Master. And I held my breath for a few minutes, hoping that Eric Roberts were going to step out. <laughs> or, or or whoever, I guess it wouldn't have been Eric Roberts. Would have been Anthony Ailey. Yeah, this would have been Scaro, and these were... <laughs> yeah, there was. Did a, you think of that? I did too? think of that. Oh, okay. I didn't necessarily think that we were going to get to see. I didn't that. think we were going to get to see that either. But I, I held my change, breath, hoping. Can I change my prediction? <laughs> I think Eric Roberts is in the vault. <laughs> How amazing would that be? <laughs> but when they, you know, they were going through the, the list of crimes and this, that, and the other thing, and the, this is what the machine's going to do. It's going to kill the time. Let's stop both hearts. Blah blah blah. Okay, this is a pretty intense little thing. What did you do? And then he says. Um, the, the trigger has to be pulled by another member of the species. Sorry, but you guys are in, you're few and far, you're hard to come by, whatever the, the word was. And that's when I went, no, the doctor's here to execute somebody else. And it's got to be the master. So then Missy comes out. I was like, aha! But still, they, they pulled us up to that moment. Right. Like, they, they're really yeah. Yeah, yeah, up until that moment. That I was I was right there with you. And then. If it for the movie, I would have been right in your boat with you. <laughs> well, and then I thought of the movie and I thought, oh, please give me a drop line about how this is the second time I've seen you execute. That would have been just, amazing. Just, just give me something. Just a little bit of a. No. Yeah, but what would fix it is if Rob, if Eric Roberts is in the vault. And... <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, there's, there's still time. No, as soon as Nardle walked up in the robe, I, I knew it was Nardle. Just it's a nardle shaped robe. There's really not much else you can. There's no way rivers under that. Cowl. Well, it was obvious it was a man. That's for certain. Too. Well, and then the book came out, 
and then I did. Oh, that's what it, that's what it was. I when did, the book came yeah. out, I said, oh, Mason, you were almost right. I, then I began to doubt it just a little bit because the book comes out first and then the hood comes back. And it was like, oh, no, it, it is normal. But yeah, all the, and then the vault rises up out of the lake. And I went, oh, well, okay, confirmed. Missy's going to be in the vault. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. We're still not sure. So yeah, all of that stuff was great. And I, I, I think I laughed way too hard <laughs> at Bill's line about well, there's nothing wrong it's not like it's a sin and then the pope walks out of her bedroom <laughs> i just i don't there's something about that juxtaposition that i just was like yeah i get it <laughs> see what she did there another thing is not being catholic i'm not sure how that's going to be received as i'm watching this and they they go they've got a pope representative there and i thought oh, okay i like, can i can see them getting no the first guy that comes oh in yeah and the bishop him. the bishop yeah Cardinal? Cardinal. He'd been a cardinal. Was it cardinal? Been a cardinal. Cardinal. Yeah, okay. Martin Red. Anyway, the, the cardinal comes hey, is in. Why? Is that why? The cardinal came in. And, <laughs> I'd have and, bought that excuse if you just said, yeah, that would have been it. The cardinal comes in, and I think, okay, well, this is a representative of Rome. And then when the Pope actually walks in, I thought, I'm fine with this, but how many Catholics are going to be really upset? And then question. they kept, it was almost like the Pope was comic relief for about 10 or 15 minutes of this episode. And I kept thinking... How are Catholics going to be with this? Is there going to be, you know, worldwide protests and boycotting of Doctor Who and and you know, official from the pulpit? We can't. What's interesting is they got somebody that kind of looked like he, Pope Francis. He did. He did. And well, and I think even going a step farther was talking about Pope Benedict, how he knew <laughs> Pope Benedict, and it was clearly a woman yes. that was Pope Benedict, which I thought was, oh, that was clever. I liked it. I thought that was interesting. But I can't, I just, that was another thing was taking me out of the story just slightly was I had in the back of my mind, is it, are we, are we stirring the water a little too much here? Are we stirring the pot a little too much here? And then I think I was a little relieved when this was all a simulation because I thought, okay, so at least you can brush it off that that really wasn't the Pope, <laughs> that this, none of this really happened. Yeah. We, but our, I mean, I've seen Catholic, the, the Catholic Church. I've seen the Catholic Church get much more upset over littler things than putting the Pope in a situation like this. I just, I, I that was one of the things that, even not being a Catholic, just unnerved me because I wondered what that response would be. I wasn't offended by it, but somebody else very easily could have. So I hadn't even thought of it until you brought it up, quite I, honestly. And maybe it's not an issue. Maybe maybe we've moved beyond that as as a society. But I just I I kept it just in the back of my mind. Kept thinking. I have a hard time believing oh, this that. Is... I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, the I mean, Pope I doesn't guess... drive around in his Pope mobile. <laughs> <laughs> At least it wasn't Muhammad that stepped out of there, because then we'd have all kinds of issues. Yeah. <laughs> but I so just... one thing that just occurred to me about the whole Pope thing, his involvement and how he's used should have been an indicator that this was a simulation too. Because the TARDIS never translated for him. You know, I, I'm glad you put two and two together because I thought of that. In I fact, thought of it I while almost, watching it. I, yeah, me too. I almost brought it up. I wonder why the TARDIS isn't translating. Especially the once they show up at Bill's place. Yeah, because he's in <laughs> he's the TARDIS. rode yeah. in the TARDIS at that point. I That's thought about that, point. and the, I did. I thought, oh, why, why are they... But I just wrote it off to... It's the Pope. <laughs> well, because this guy has to have something to do. So we're seeing it from that perspective that, perspective yeah. that he's he's along for the ride and speaking I for the Pope. I think that's sort of how I read it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to hand wave that one away and be okay with it. But you're right. That, that's totally a... Excellent observation. I just now thought of that. Yeah. 
Because I did recognize it in there. I thought, why isn't it translating him? But yeah. I thought maybe I just was thought maybe just his modeled. holiness was above the the translation matrix. <laughs> I don't know, because <laughs> there has been other species where it wouldn't translate for him. Yeah, that's certainly true. So maybe the Pope's not human. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's not, not get our show boycotted. <laughs> <laughs> Although <laughs> all press is good press. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, our listenership went from about 1,300 to like 13 million. <laughs> Overnight. Well, local Doctor Who podcast offends everyone. <laughs> Let's go to them for comment. We've been offending people for years. Nobody's been listening. <laughs> See what you've missed out on. <laughs> and by the way, booger. <laughs> <laughs> That's a WKRP joke, Keith. You wouldn't I, I, get that, I got one, that one. Actually. <laughs> Anything else on the story? I feel like our feedbackers covered it. They covered it really well. well and and I really don't have much more opinion about it because half of it didn't happen. This sort of story is so different than like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Where while, yes, half the time my mind is going, well, it's an interesting what if, but it doesn't really matter. But it does because our main characters are plugged in and if they die in this framework, they die. This, that's not even that. It's literally an entire simulation that doesn't matter what happens, obviously, because Narl and Bill are killed. So it's it's one of those, it, while it's an interesting idea and but a you had great to have twist... Had a, you had to have had a moment when Bill dissolved that was still... Well, and that's that's when, I was, that's when my brain was racking, okay, how far back was this uh, simulation? Yeah. How, how, far, fi- how much how of this season it? hasn't really happened? I wasn't mourning Bill. I was thinking, how long has she been a simulation? See, I was going, how do we fix this? What are you going to do to get out of this one? How does this work? How do you reset? How do you rebuild her? How do you, you know, what happened? But then you're right. It's, well, we call for the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Before we hand away off too much that none of it really happened, I think you have to drill down to the fact that it was important for the setup of what's going to happen. But more so because there were... There was data within the simulation mm-hmm. that was recognizing that it was a simulation. So there was an initial breakdown that ultimately gets to the simulation of the doctor, who then has some sort of self-awareness, or at least enough self-awareness, to get the information to the doctor. So there is a device within that that yeah. is necessary, even though none of that was really happening. You did have elements of that instance that were falling apart for whoever is portraying this simulation that they were able to get that information to the person that uh needed that information mm-hmm. so it's still there, there without is, saying it didn't really happen yeah, so it's, it's i don't i don't want people to think we're saying it doesn't really matter because that had to happen for that data to break down and realize that there was an issue here in order to get to deliver that message yes, to the, the doctor the importance of that data and the message is yet to be seen yes <laughs> i think that's the catch it's that's the other catch of it is it's part of a story and this part was a simulation. We, we can't necessarily review this on the... We can't do well, it like Oxygen or Smile or well, Thin even, Ice even. Even with like a holodeck character recognizing that they're a holodeck character. Mm-hmm. You, you can't necessarily come at this one from that angle. Because that's not the story. The, the entire simulation, the stuff with the Pope, the, the, the whole thing is just to set up getting this information to the doctor so that he can be aware that there's an alien presence coming 
and he's blind and is not going to be able to deal with it. I mean, that's kind of where the, the whole episode is setting up the next piece. And so you can't look at it as a, well, you know, they did it better on Next Gen or they did it better on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or you, you, you can't really yeah. even... It, it, it's there, but it's, it serves its purpose in such a different way that, in a way, you're right, it doesn't matter... But it's not that it doesn't matter because it does. And, and it just doesn't matter wrong. for purposes of that part of the story. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's where I'm stuck with it because, like I said, I really liked some of the stuff that was going on and some of the things that we got, and I just and I don't know what happens now. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, I'll let you know later if this was any good. Or not. It feels like watching the first act of something that. We haven't resolved yet. Right, I'm in intermission or, at a play, and you're asking me, yeah, "What'd you think?" It's we like, might what? be halfway through. We <laughs> might be only a third of the way through. <laughs> I so don't know. Apparently, Moffat's calling the the aliens monks. Monks. They're the monks. Well, these aren't headless, though. So they're not headless. They're not headless monks, and they're not. They are meddling, I suppose. <laughs> Ooh, there's a callback. Maybe. And I, I thought the idea of the Veritas was really a neat idea. Wow, go, pull back, go back. Funny, and, though, how we've got another element that's very similar to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with the, the Darkhold. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because I kept I thinking of that. that now, all, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't think that the Veritas was as maybe as dangerous on a whole as the Darkhold does in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But Well, I almost get the impression with the Veritas the doesn't exist in real life. Right, that it's just part of the the simulation itself. But but my my point is, I didn't. I don't think the Veritas held as much weight for civilization. I think that no, ultimately, no. what it was is it was it was causing self awareness within the simulation. It wasn't necessarily going to bring something dark and evil across from the other side. It was the blue pill. Yeah, exactly. So it's there's there's that issue i think but uh there were some stark similarities between those two as well not yeah. just the whole mainframe point. Slash the, the portals are like yeah. sling rings <laughs> I mean, you, you could you could see patterns and things that aren't necessarily there too but moffat's a marvel fan <laughs> i think i kind of wish I one of the portals comic, would have been pink. i think he's a comic book uh media man is what he is because we had uh dr mysterio too this year this yeah. season so Looking forward to see what happens next. Yeah, they've got me hooked. So, All right, Sean, what are we going to come up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, uh, for Friday Night Who this week, please join us with your BritBox subscription for Tom Baker in Pyramids of Mars. Always a good one, which may or may not shed any light on the next part of the <laughs> Season 10, um, which I think has now been confirmed to be called the Pyramid at the End of the World. Right? Yes. The Wait, world. Sutek's coming back? These are the monks of Sutek? Ooh. <laughs> Maybe Sutek's in the vault. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Could you imagine how mad so Titan would right be? So, right now... <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me? So, right now, the, the vault consists of John Sims Master, Missy... Eric Roberts and Sutek. This is going to be one great episode. And ping pong ball, I master. Yeah. <laughs> They're Crunchy having a master. party. Crunchy master. <laughs> Deep fat fried master. So there's that. Join us for all the fun on Friday Night Who and join us for all the discussion here and write in feedback. Keith, how do they do that? 
Uh, you can go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or you can just send it to feedback at TravelingTheVortex, or as Ben did, just reach out to us on any form of social media. And Glenn, if they want to give us money, how do they do that? <laughs> just send it, put it in an envelope and send it to... No, actually, we have a, a Unmarked, button. unsequential bills. We have a button on our website uh, It says uh, support us on Patreon, and through that you can uh, become a Patreon supporter and uh, support us on a monthly basis. Every bit of that money comes back right into this show, and there are also some links on that uh, right-hand side of TravelingTheVortex.com. Uh, proceeds to things that you buy from our website uh, also go into this program as well. I do want to mention you only have one more week left to let us know who you brought to uh, the Goodreads Traveling the Vortex Doctor Who Book Club. Um, again, the rules for that is you just somehow show us that you brought uh, two. Two is our goal. We want two each. It may come down to if you, you know, we just didn't have enough people that could bring two. Maybe they brought one. Maybe we'll have to uh, kind of slide that back if you can at least bring one person to the uh, book club that would be terrific even if they're not a listener of this show and they're just a friend and you know that they like to read doctor who and talk about doctor who books and things like that 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 the book club is certainly connected to this show by name but it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that listens to this podcast or even even watches doctor who uh, on television if they are a fan of the books and uh, they like to read along and, and get into uh, very intelligent discussions about uh, the books that we read each month uh, bring them to the book club and like I said if you can show us who you brought to the book club and we have had some people that have already given us heads up that they've got some readers now or some uh, joiners now so if you can do that let us know who they are we'll uh, do what we can to verify that those people that have brought people to the book club will go into a drawing and you will be able to win a prize uh, from the traveling vortex prize vault later to be determined <laughs> <laughs> so. just a reminder the book for this month is dalek generation and it looks like people are already commenting on it Yay. By and briggs and vote on the june book yes the poll is up oh the poll's up the excellent up. the poll is up for next month already all right, travelers. Hope well, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. And send us your money because the Pope doesn't need it because he's fake. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I don't think I can end with that. <laughs> Should we end with, Darling, I don't know why I go to extremes. Sean on percussion. <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. <laughs> <laughs>